to, to the scriptures, but let's pray first so, so this goes well for all of us, okay? So, Father, we just thank you that you are actively involved in every detail of our lives, and your faithfulness and your kindness endures forever, and you are loyal and you are faithful to your word. You are faithful to me. You are faithful to your people. And I just thank you, Lord, that in this moment, the word that some people really need to hear, you're going to give it to them. And God, I just give you all the credit for that. And I just ask, Lord, that you give me grace to clearly communicate what you want to say to the people that you care so much about. I just make myself available. We, we just give you our ears and our heart, God. And we just say, speak clearly, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, I feel like I've been doing this a lot lately, but I, I, I have another message that is based off of a dream that the Lord gave me here on December the 6th, and I really believe this was a God dream, and the title of my message is called Back Seat Driving. Now, Isaac did not know what I'm preaching on, but when he came up here a few moments ago, and he started talking about how we want to tell God what to do, that is a huge part of where we're going to be going today. And so, so to give you an idea of where we're going, I want to share a dream with you that, like I said, that I had about three weeks ago. And in this dream, <clears throat> I was in a convertible, and Rachel was driving, my wife. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> she's like, that's what we need around here. All right, so she was driving, and I am not sure if like, I mean, I was like literally behind her while she was driving, and I was being a backseat driver all the way, the total stereotype of a backseat driver. And I'm not sure if she was literally on my lap or if I was just directly behind her in the seat, and it was just a small car, but I was right behind her, just bossing her around, like, stop, no, no, don't do that, no, go, and she's going away. I'm like, no, go left, go left. And I just, the whole time, I am just being that guy. And in the dream, I started realizing what I was doing, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm being a jerk. I need to, like, shut up. And, and so I made a purposeful, you know, commitment to shut my mouth and to not be a backseat driver, but rather to let her be in charge, to let her guide the way things are going. Now, most of you guys are thinking, oh, this is a dream about your marriage, and, you know, maybe it is. I don't know. I'm sorry, Rachel, because I know. I know that I can be kind of bossy by nature. I used to think I was laid back, but Rachel's like, no, no, you're not. So <laughs> she would know. So I'm laid back when I just don't care. But when I care, I care. And, and so what I have learned uh, in this last year, I've learned, I've, I've, I love, if you know me, I love dream interpretation. It is a, it's a passion of mine. I pray every night that God will speak to me and instruct me in my dreams, and he does more than, than I probably even realize. But I have discovered that many times and oftentimes in my dreams, Rachel is actually not Rachel. She's the Holy Spirit. She is wise. She is my counselor. She is my, my friend who is with me through thick and thin. So a lot of times when I have dreams, I really believe that it's actually the Holy Spirit is personified through my wife, Rachel. And so I believe that in this dream, the Holy Spirit was driving the vehicle. Now, vehicles in dreams have to do with your job, your calling, your ministry. And so 
Whoever's driving the vehicle in a dream matters because they're the ones who are using their gift and using their ministry. So the Holy Spirit was calling the shots and taking me places where I didn't want to go. And he was doing things in ways I didn't want him to do. And I was not a very good, what's the word? Uh, Passenger, thank you. I was not being a very good passenger. And I felt like the Lord was just really kind of speaking to me in this area. And then after that scene, we changed scenes. And this time, I'm on a roller coaster. Yes, this is my life. So I'm on a roller coaster, and I'm facing backwards. I'm facing backwards. So now I am going that way, and I'm facing this way. I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know what is behind me. I don't know what the future holds. I cannot see that way. All I can see is what, where I am and where I was. I can't see where I'm going. And so I'm in this roller coaster, and there is someone with me. And I don't know who this being or person is in the dream, but I can sense that there's an individual right there next to me, and we're together. And I was not alone. And as we're going, we began to go downhill. Now, in dream interpretation, just so you know, anytime you go up, it's good. You go up the ladder, that's good. You go up in an airplane, that's good. When you start going down, that's not good. You don't want to go down in your dreams most of the time. And so I'm going backwards downhill in this dream, and I, I'm, it's not ridiculously fast. So I'm actually not scared, but I am feeling very vulnerable. I'm just feeling ridiculously vulnerable because I don't know what is behind me, and I don't know where I'm going. And then I come to the bottom of this roller coaster where it lands, so to speak. And have you ever been like on, on Splash Mountain? Or maybe you've been to Silverwood where they go and you land in the water. And you go high, low, and then you go, and it splashes all over the place. Well, that's what happened behind me. And so I'm getting splashed by the water, which water is always a good thing. Not always, often a good thing. Often representing the Holy Spirit and getting the spiritual things of God. So I'm going deep into the spiritual things of God, being taken where I don't know. I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. And... Here is the punchline. When I land in the water, I hear God say these words to me. I'm going to read it to you so I don't screw it up. I heard the voice of God say, tell my people I never left them. So let's, let's, let's say that again. God wanted me to tell you, tell my people I never left them. And then I woke up. But you know how it is when you wake up in your dream, but you're still asleep? You know, a dream within a dream? So John Paul Jackson, who's like, uh, he's since passed, but he's the expert, the authority on dream interpretation. He said, when you wake up from a dream, that is God, and you're still dreaming, that is God putting an exclamation point on your dream because he's saying, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And so I wake up from this dream knowing I have heard from God, been instructed by God, and that I needed to write this down. And so I go and I grab my iPad and I begin to try to write out my dream and write out what the Lord spoke to me in the dream because I knew this was important 
that I needed to, to steward this well. And I, I kept having problems with the app on my iPad. It kept being glitchy. It kept being hiccupy. And I believe that has to do with the application. So what I mean by that is in the dream, I heard the Lord. I knew what the Lord said. I knew what the Lord wanted, but it was hard for me to apply it. And I think for a lot of us, we are, we have been on a roller coaster. We have been taken for a ride and we have been taken places where we don't want to be. We have, God has led us in a way that we don't really like to go. If, if you're happy and you love what God's done for you this last year and the way he's led you, then good, good for you. But, but for me, I feel like all that keeps happening is pruning. And God's saying, all right, we're going to go on a ride, and you don't get to pick what happens. And God has spoken to me and said, Daniel, I have perfectly led you, and I have perfectly trained you. And we'll talk a little bit more, I think, about that today. But what I want you to see is, is it's kind of funny, and even Isaac made mention about looking back on the year. In the dream, I was on a roller coaster, and I didn't know what the future held, but I was looking backwards. And right now, today, this is the last Sunday of the year. And I think that looking back on this past year, we have no idea really what the future holds. And we don't get to be in charge of our own lives like we always think we do. But when we look back, I believe the Lord wants to say, I've never left you. I was always there. I was right there with you. I was leading you. I was guiding you. You didn't want to go there, but I want you to know it was all for your good. It was all for your good, and I want you to trust in me. I want you to believe in me. And looking at this idea, that really this, this, this central idea that the presence of God being with us. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Tim preached a message, and the overall gist was he was talking about favor and how God's favor is upon us. God's favor is upon you. But the problem is when you don't feel like you're God's favor because everything doesn't feel very favorable. And some of you probably experienced a little bit of that this week. In fact, last Sunday in the second service, I, I typically do not know what Tim is going to preach on. Very rarely do I know what he's going to talk about, and I like it that way. I like it that way because it gives me more of a freedom to hear from God and be led by the Spirit because if I know what Tim's preaching about, it makes it harder actually for me to do stuff around here. So the less I know, the more I can just do whatever I think God wants. And then, if, and just like Isaac today, it brings a sense of like, oh, yep, God spoke the same thing to both of us. I, of course, we're right, right? You and me. All right, so, so, so here we are last Sunday. The Lord speaks to me in the second service, and, and I believe the Lord was, said a variety of things, but one of the big ideas was Emmanuel, God with us. I am God who is with you, and the whole idea was whether you feel it or not, whether you believe it or not, no matter what hell or whatever you're going through, I want you to know 
that you have favor, I am with you, and you have got to hold on to that in those difficult moments. And so, and so this is, is something I want to kind of come back to. I know we've already said it last Sunday. You could just go onto YouTube and just watch it again. But we're going to hit it again today for a few minutes. And I want to look at Isaiah chapter 7. Because the, the passage about, about the Savior of the world, the Messiah, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. You probably saw that on social media all week long. You probably, you probably saw people posting it, all these really cool Bible scripture verses, but I want to look at the context of this prophecy today, because I believe the Lord has some nuggets about the context of that prophetic word that's really going to bless you today. So Isaiah chapter 7, now in verse 1 it says, now it came to pass <clears throat> in the days of Ahaz... I'm going to skip all the sons. He's the king of Judah. Ahaz is the king of Judah. We're just skip to the end. That Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son, I'm going to skip him too, the king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. So to help you understand this, the nation of Israel was, so to speak, split in half. The kingdom was, there's a northern kingdom, and there was a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. So the northern kingdom made an alliance with the nation of Syria. So two kings have formed an alliance. They are going to attack Judah, okay? And it says that they went to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, the southern kingdom, but they could not prevail against it. That is, that is like the headline. That is the whole story in a nutshell. Now, in verse 2, we're going to go verse by verse here at how this transpired. So they tell you right off the bat, they, they, they tell you who won and who lost. Verse 2, And it was told to the house of David, that's the southern kingdom, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. I think that we can all relate to that when you get bad news, when things don't look so hot, like a tree that sways in the wind. I think we can relate to that emotion of being shaken, being moved by our circumstances, but God has a good word for this king. Let's look at verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet, he said, go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shir Yeshub, which is his son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And say to him, to the king, take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. For these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. So he comes with a prophetic word. He's, he's shaken, he's fearful. He comes with a prophetic word. And the prophetic word, he starts out by saying, take heed and be quiet. 
Have you ever had God tell you to be quiet? Yeah, I, I have. I've had him say it a lot to me, like, Daniel, stop saying dumb things. Just shut up. You laugh because you're like, I could totally believe it. Who said yeah? <laughs> Tim's like, I know Daniel. No. Yeah. See, when we, when we get shaken by our circumstance, when things are happening a certain way, like, I mean, I think some of you guys know me enough by now to know that, you know, I don't have it all together. When I, <laughs> is, there, is there something funny, Tammy? <laughs> she used to work with me, so she knows. <laughs> when I am in the anointing, when I am in the zone, when I feel God, I can operate on a very high level in ways I never can in myself. But when I am not in the zone, when I don't hear God, when I don't feel God, it can get kind of ugly. Because I can be like a drowning man. Like, oh God, oh God, where are you? Where are you? And I think some of us maybe can relate with that. And there are times that you cannot go off of how you feel. Listen, you're, you're not always going to feel faith. It is necessary for us as the people of God to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. It is part of your training and your destiny to learn how to be a person who is unmovable when everything around you is teetering like a drunk. It is so important that God withdraws his peace in a sense, in a sense, and his presence, his manifested presence, and to put you and me in circumstances where it feels like God betrayed you, where it feels like God's not real, and that everything you've ever known was just an emotional experience. It is so important that God withdraw his hand so he can work on you. See, God is, is like a really good teacher where he teaches you, and then he withdraws to test you. And if you fail, it's not the end of the world, but you got to retake the test. And so when you find yourself in those moments, and it, we all do, where you don't remember what Pastor Tim said last Sunday, where you can't even think of a scripture verse, where you're too stressed out of your mind to know what to do and to hear God's voice. In those moments, what I, what I, have, I believe the Lord is saying to us is, Stop talking. Don't talk yourself into a pit. Calm down. Don't believe the voices in your head. Don't believe all this stuff that's going on. Just, just hold on. And a lot of times for me, my, my prayer life looks a lot like me groping in the dark, just kind of looking for God. I mean, I will read the Bible, I will pray, I will do all the things I know how to do, and I will operate that way, but the best way that I could use to describe it is what I heard, um, if you know who Joseph Garlington, he's a, a preacher, at, a black preacher out of Pittsburgh, and he, he's one of my favorites to listen to, but he, he used the illustration of, do you remember the, maybe you have one in your house still, but uh, when I was a kid, there was uh, lights in our basement, but they weren't turned on by the light switch. They were, you had to pull the rope. 
And so you would go into the basement and you would just be like, and you kind of would know where it was a little bit. Like, until you finally found it and you pulled on that thing and it lit up the room and then everything became so clear. That is what it's like being a Christian. That is what it's like having a prayer life all the time. People talk about the secret place. Listen, the secret place is a secret every time. It is not a formula. You don't do three songs and a poem and boom, God shows up. You just seek him until you find him. And when the light turns on, oh, I have faith again. Everything's good. But when you're groping in the dark and you're feeling around, that is not the time to panic. Rachel's sitting there like, you're one to talk. Um, (laughs) But it's the reality. This is truth. I've been around long enough to know I can't listen to Daniel when Daniel's in those places. I can't can't get sucked into fear. I cannot get sucked into fear. I have got to take the weak, anemic, mustard seed faith that I have. have, I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing, and I don't know where you are, and I don't know why you hate me. Is it because I sinned? What have I done wrong? And the Lord's like, nope, I'm growing you. I'm growing you. I'm growing you. And you're like, I don't want to grow anymore. (sighs) And besides, you think this would be working better by now that I wouldn't need this. But the reality is, is when when we're in those dark places, when we're swaying like a tree, those are the times that you take the little weak faith you have. You don't beat yourself up because you're, you should know this by now. Don't beat yourself up. But you just go like a kid and you cry out to your father. Listen, he will show up. He will show up. Sometimes it's the next morning. I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes guys like, be quiet and go to sleep. When you wake up, I'll counsel you as you sleep and I'll get you where you need to be so when you wake up, you're naturally doing better. That, that is literally how God works a lot of the time. So I want to just encourage you There's nothing wrong with you. You are a normal person learning to walk by faith and not by sight. But in those times, just take the faith you have and you seek God with the faith you have and he will give you more. And as he gives you more, the light will turn on and it will make everything so much easier. And also I would encourage you, don't make (laughs) important decisions that could affect your life forever when you're in those places. Just, Just a thought. So I wanna come back to the scripture here. Um, we are in verse 5, I believe. So he's giving him a word. Take heed, be quiet, do not fear. Verse 5. Because Syria, Ephraim, that's northern kingdom, and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabel. Thus says the Lord God. I love this. It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. So he's saying, the head of Syria is their capital city, Damascus. The head of Damascus is their king, Rezin. He's saying... These guys are weak puppets. Within 65 years, 
the northern kingdom will be broken. It won't even be a people. And the king was actually, both of these kings did not live another two years. Both of them did not live very long that were coming to attack them. Verse 9, the head of Ephraim is Samaria, his capital, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. And here is, you know, the drop the mic moment where he says, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Let's just camp on this thought for a moment. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Do you know that God cannot believe for you? God can do a lot of things for us. He can do so much. But God has limited himself to our choices, to our faith. And the good news is, is even when our faith is weak and anemic, God is still into the business of building up our faith. But without faith, God is, I hate to say it, but God is, God is limited by our faith. When you look at the scriptures, God wanted to take his people into the promised land. But because of their unbelief, they did not make it. That is in the scriptures. A lot of times we just have this mentality like, well, what will be will be, and God's will always happens, or maybe not. Maybe God has a will, and he has a will. I'm not saying to scare you, but God has a will, but we have to partner and believe what he says. I want to look at the New Living Translation. It should be on the screen there. You can pull up, Rich. The New Living Translation, verse 9, says a really good way of wording it. It says, on the bottom part, it says, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. This year, I have heard God, I think, more than I ever have in my entire life. I have come with so many questions. I just figure I'll just keep asking and keep praying and, and, and all that. But here's the thing. God has spoken to me, and I'm sure he's done the same with you guys. He has spoken things to us, his people, and then he has purposefully withheld the confirmation. Can you relate to that? Man, I wish he wouldn't do that. You know, I like, I like it when God gives me a word, and then Isaac comes here and says the word, and then I know that we're both hearing God. I like that. Because then I know, oh, confirmation, nailed it. I have missed God's voice in my life. I think we all have. And if you think, I've never missed God's voice, then you probably don't have a clue how much he spoke and you didn't realize it. I'm serious. I mean, just full on, full on. God speaks at different levels, and sometimes he speaks really clearly, and sometimes he speaks really vaguely. And they're both just as much his voice. And it's all about learning to pay attention to that voice and stewarding that voice because when you steward it well, he'll talk to you even more. And so we want to be a people that is not a prophet thing. It's a, it's a, it's a child of God thing. 
We are hardwired as his sheep to hear God's voice. And God's voice is kind of the bread and butter of learning how to navigate our life. And so Jesus said that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So God's voice is always speaking. And just like a little antenna, you can tune into the radio. You can tune in to the Father's voice because he's always broadcasting. He's always speaking. And he's speaking things to his people and he's speaking things to his church. And so what do you do when you have a God who is broadcasting nationally, internationally, speaking things about, I'm sending revival, I'm pouring out my spirit, don't be afraid, I have a good future for you. And then you watch the news. What do you do in the tension? And God is saying, yes, I have perfectly led you, and I am perfectly training you. I'm training you right now. I am, this is what God told me the other day, well, a couple weeks ago. I am working in the dark. That's what he said. I am working in the dark. And the sense that he told me was, Daniel, I'm purposefully doing exactly so no one can see it. The sense that the Lord was saying, it was almost like, yeah, I'm amazing. That's not exactly how this came across. But it was almost like the Lord was speaking to me like, Daniel, you do not grasp. You do not grasp the future that I have for you. You do, and I felt like that as for humanity. You do not realize I am at work and I am working on my people and I am hiding the confirmation from them because I want them to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. And this summer, I had like pages and pages of things the Lord had spoken to me. I mean, like probably like 11 pages. And I'm asking God again. I'm like freaking out like, oh God, what about this? Should I go left or right? And the Lord is just like, and the Lord gave me this passage for me. And it was just like, Daniel, I have spoken in dreams. I have spoken through strangers. I have spoken through people you know. I have spoken here and I have spoken there. You have pages of documentation. At some point, you just have to believe me. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And, it, and I saw this. Unless, Daniel, unless your faith is firm, I can't establish you. I cannot make you. I am doing all these things to build your faith. I am speaking to you. I am leading you. I am teaching you how to hear my voice. I'm confirming it like 11 times. And yet you keep questioning me. You keep, but if you will just jump off that diving board and just believe that, I'm tell, that, that I can lead you. Believe that I'm good enough to support you. If you can just, just take what I said, and jump off the diving board by faith, then I can establish you. And so it, it really came down to a decision. You know, you, when you think you hear God's voice, you don't just go and make big lifelong decisions based off hearing God one time. You let God speak, and he speaks, and he speaks. And the more he speaks, and the more clearly he speaks, it all begins to form an image, and it makes clarity and direction for your life. That is, that is healthy, a healthy way to live your life, hearing from God. But there comes a point where you know. There's a, there comes a point 
where you can ask God, but eventually you just have to start believing God. And I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture that kind of goes with this idea. It's out of the book of James. You've probably heard a million times, but it's just as good the millionth time. Book of James, chapter 3, nope, chapter 1. I know my Bible. Chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, this is always a good word for you know, entering the new year. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all lib- liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable, excuse me, in all his ways. Now, I used to think when I read this verse that the Lord was saying, hey, if you don't ask with faith, I'm not gonna give it to you. That's actually not what the text is saying. This scripture is saying, listen, When you ask God for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. He is going to give it to you. There is no question about whether he will give it to you. The question is, is when he gives it to you, will you believe it? See, the faith has nothing to do with the giving of God. God will give the gift of wisdom. He will give you revelation. He will give you insight. But this is the problem. God will say, all right, you asked for it. I'm giving it to you in a dream. You asked for it. Pastor Tim has a sermon on that. You asked for it. I'm going to speak to you in, through this and through that. But what happens is the Lord goes and he gives you wisdom. And you say, well, is this God or is this not God? What if this is the devil? I don't know. You ever been there? Like a wave in the wind, whichever way the wind blows, one minute you thought you were supposed to take the job, the next week you're like, I don't know. I'm supposed to go to this college. I don't know. I'm supposed to marry her. I have no idea anymore. Where is God? You know, we, we, this is what we do. This is what we do. Listen, some of us have more faith for the devil to speak to you than God. Some of us have a, this great deception, like, oh no, how do I, how do I, what if I hear, what if this is the devil? Listen to me. God knows how to take care of his sheep. If you miss it, he'll recalculate. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Unless you are violating clear scripture and you are hard-hearted, you don't need to be afraid because God will speak to you. You need to have faith that God will speak to you and not be afraid of the devil having louder voice. So looking at this, if we ask for wisdom, God is going to give it to you. He may not give it to you in that moment, but you can expect an answer, and you need to start paying attention, and you need to learn the language of God and the multiple variety of ways that he speaks. God speaks in more ways than you're currently listening to him. The reason why God's speaking to you in certain ways is because that's what you have faith for. But if you will have faith for God to speak to you in multiple ways, you will begin to see it happening in TV shows 
and in the song on the radio, and in license plate numbers. It's just all over the place. Like, I see, I see scriptures all over people's license plates. God just talks to me that way. And it's like, yep, don't forget, don't forget that verse, don't forget that verse. God is talking a lot. So we want to believe. But sometimes it can sure be hard. It can be really hard. When you're in the dark, it can be hard to believe God. But the Lord is saying, listen to me, the currency, the currency of heaven is faith. The currency of heaven is believing. So we seek God until he gives us the faith that we need to accomplish what he's calling us to do. Do not think that because you're in the dark that that's where you're going to be staying. Now, what's interesting, if we go to verse 10 in Isaiah chapter 7, it says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David. This is Isaiah talking. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know is God, is God with us. So what I want you to see here, looking at this, is God is wanting desperately to help the king of Judah. He wants to help him, but he is limited by this king's unbelief. So God is saying, if you will have faith, I can help you. But then God says, ask me for a sign. Why? Because God is trying to build his faith. Now, some of you guys might be a little bit conflicted, because I know for me, I feel a little weird talking about this passage right now. And the reason for that is because I, I think we all know the scriptures say, do not tempt or test the Lord your God. So how does that work? The devil comes to Jesus and says, if you're really the son of God, just jump off the temple. Because the scriptures say, right? The scriptures say, his angels will catch you. You won't get hurt. You won't even dash your foot on the stone. That's what the word of the Lord is. So the devil comes quoting scripture to the son of God, saying, if you're, if you're the son of God, Prove the word of God. Prove it. And Jesus is like, no. For the scriptures say, do not test or tempt the Lord your God. So Jesus right there does not take the bait. So in the scriptures, we are taught you don't test God. You don't say, God, if you're real, then you better do this. That is, that is what the scriptures say. Don't do that. But then we come to this story, and God says, I want you to do this. <laughs> Ask a sign. Listen, like, normally that's viewed like, hey, don't you have any faith? If you, if you had faith, you wouldn't need a sign. But God comes and says, listen, I want to show myself. I want to prove myself. And I, I, I think 
you need to pray about this because I don't know, I don't want to lead you astray here. But as I was preparing, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, I want to prove myself. I want, I want, I want people to experience the supernatural. I want people to, to see a sign, to see a wonder that will make them believe me. Because I, the sense of that impression that I got was almost like God is like, I want, I need to, to inject faith into my church. I need to inject faith into my people. And he's saying, I'm going to get, I gave a prophetic word that looks nothing like your life. I gave a prophetic word that looks nothing like your news headlines. But I want you to ask me for a sign. And what's so interesting is we just read, the king says, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to test God. Now, it sounds really holy, like he knows the scriptures. And I'm sure he does, he's, he's basing this off of scripture. But in this case, it's okay, because God has invited him into it. And sometimes, God will invite us into some things like this, where he's saying, I want to prove myself. I want to show myself. I want you to have a kind of faith that I can make firm, that I can establish. I don't want you to be teeter-tottering forever. I want to prove myself to you. But the king, really, the real reason why he would not ask God for a sign in the sky or on the ground was because he didn't want to trust in God. That's, that's the reality of it. He was, he was being a fake. He was, he, was at, he was using religious jargon because of his own unbelief. He did not believe or expect God to show up. You see, believing God can be painful. Believing God can be hard. When God gives you a promise that will not be confirmed for years, it creates such ridiculous tension in our lives. This king, God wants to help this king, and he's saying, listen to me. If you will trust in me, I'll take care of you. But the man is saying, I don't want. I don't want to test God. I don't want to trust God. I will trust in me, and I will trust in my abilities, and I will trust in what I can pull off. And so what he does, it says um, in a different part of Scripture, I believe it's, 2 Kings 16, I can't remember which, which, where it is, but what happens is, is he goes and he takes money and jewels and things out of the, the temple treasury, the, the house of God. He takes it out of the house of God and he gives that money and that wealth to the king of Assyria. Now, he creates an alliance with the king of Assyria. So I want to make sure clear, Syria and Assyria are not the same country. I know it's hard to explain, but Syria, here we go, Syria and the northern kingdom were in alliance. The southern kingdom, this king we're talking about, took God's money and used God's money to put his trust in the nation of Assyria, and it worked. It worked for a while, and that's the thing about sin. It usually works for a while. It doesn't require trust. It doesn't require faith. 
It can give you immediate relief from the tension that you feel. Because the king of Assyria did come and fight for them. And he did come and help them. But years later, they came to the nation of Judah and attacked them and put them under siege. And people were starving because they were completely surrounded and trying to break into their territory. God came through, of course, because that's what God does. But the point is, is that their alliance with Assyria opened a door for them to be attacked by Assyria many years later. So we see here this verse, God saying, I'm going to give a sign to you. The sign is going to be in verse 14. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, we know that, you know, in our, in our language, that the name is Jesus. So obviously, Jesus did not walk around saying, hello, my name is Emmanuel. That is not what he called himself. But we understand that God was trying to drive a big idea out. What's the big idea? I'm with you. You were never alone. Look at your history. You were never alone. You might have been vulnerable, but you were not alone. You were not in control, but you were not alone. I have been faithful to you, and I believe the Lord, if if you get nothing else out of today, the Lord wants you to know, no matter what you did, no matter where you've been, no matter what it felt like in the moment, you were never, ever alone. He is so faithful, even when we are unfaithful. But when we find ourselves in those places, and those places come, no matter how amazing you are, we have to learn how to shut our mouths, press in until God turns the light on. And when God turns the light on, whether it's a sign, whether it's a touch, whatever it is, God will reveal himself and he will build your faith if you will turn to him if you want to trust in him. But the Lord is limited. He is limited by our unbelief. But I believe in a prophetic sense, the Lord wants us to look back to see his faithfulness. But I think, I believe the Lord has so much good in store for us. But it takes faith to acquire it. It is not guaranteed. Your future and the way your future goes is not guaranteed. But the Father will build your faith, and that faith will unlock what he wants to do for you. He wants to. You just want to stand up? If I can get the prayer team to come to the front. What's so interesting about this passage of Scripture, I'm always intrigued by... In, uh, uh, Rich, can you pull up Luke chapter 1, verse 45? Luke chapter 1, verse 45. So this is what Elizabeth said to Mary, the mother of Jesus, after Mary said yes to God and, you know, she conceived the baby supernaturally. It says, blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things 
which were told her from the Lord. How interesting that Elizabeth says, you are blessed because when that angel came and told you, you believed him. You were given the word of the Lord, you believed the word of the Lord, and that is why you were chosen. You were chosen because I want my son to come through a person of faith who believed. So I'm gonna pray over you and we'll be dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, it's a physical thing, an emotional thing, whatever you want prayer for, we have some people up here that we you know, know, love, and trust, especially Pastor Tim. He's pretty trustworthy. And if you want prayer, um, you know, come and get it and uh, have a, a great day. So, Father, we honor you. We praise you. And, Lord, I just pray that the seed of your word, whatever you want to say, would be established in our hearts. God, I pray for an increase of faith right now in each and every one of our hearts. And, God, I just pray if there's anyone here, God, who is struggling because they're, they feel like they're in the dark. God, I pray that you would shine your light right now, the light of your presence, the light of your counsel, the light of your word, that you would speak to each person and that you would create peace inside of them. God, I pray that you would bring clarity for the future and peace for the moment. God, we surrender to you and give this day to you. Feed us with your word. Fill us with your spirit. We yield to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.